You may, I know, I know, yeah. You may be seated. Uh, it's a good this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. People are like, the words aren't up there. I don't know this song. Just, just kidding. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Right? Amen. It's okay. Uh, that wasn't planned. Um, I will be talking about light today, though, and some other things. So when you greeted the people and offered the peace of Christ, did anyone confess? Jake did. <laughs> Heather, Heather did. Megan did. Confession is hard. We're going to talk a little bit about that later. But um, first, let's pray. God, be with me and be with us this morning. May the light of your spirit in which each of us was created fill this space, fill our hearts and our whole bodies and our minds. We love you and we need you to teach us how to love each other. Amen. Dear church, I wanted to start with an invitation to something super practical that I think everyone could probably do this week. It's an encouragement from this little selection of this great small book that our ancestors have handed down to us, the Bible. <laughs> this week, as in past weeks, we find ourselves in a little thing called the Epistle to the Ephesians. In case you've missed it or have never heard this before, epistle means letter, or some people say it's like a poem, um, kind of like a love letter, if you will. So I think the portion of the text that I will be reading from, which is a little long, is a section of a poem. Think of it as that, a section of a poem or a letter to a dear, dear friend, or group of friends in this case. As it is really hard to understand these things out of context, I invite you to read the rest of the whole letter this week. That's my invitation for you. <laughs> but read it with other people, read it out loud. Let one person read it so you can listen. Read it at your living space, your table, at a park, you know, wherever you're comfortable, but don't read it alone. Um, and hear the words together and consider what God is saying through this poet of old. Similarly, in the ancient world, when this letter was first written and delivered, most of life was very, very public. There wouldn't have been some, like, alone time um, there would have been some alone time, but maybe not a lot of it. Work was done with lots of people because we didn't have machines. We didn't have machines to work with, to do the work for us, or to hide behind when we did our work. Most of work for, and some of our work is, is out there and with people, but a lot of our work today is, is hidden. Um, so this letter is like a kind of work that's not hidden. Um, so it would have served as a significant source of information for a lot of different people. Information that people might have read over and over and over again until the next letter came, if the next letter ever came, which it may not have. Um, and it would have been shared publicly, not just in a corner of a room at a desk by one person, like I did all week with it. <laughs> um, it was public. So people would have gathered around eagerly to hear what was there which isn't always how I approach scripture. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I gotta read this. 
You know, it's hard. We all stand sometimes or we sit. But what does it mean to eagerly hear the word that God has for us? Um, so it's like if it happened today, it'd be like, this letter wasn't just for one small group of people, like our church, but like the whole church. Like, so, so like, if it was now, it'd be like Immaculate Conception would get the letter, and then my friend over there, Deacon Mike, would be like, hey, Misty Joe, we got this thing I gotta share with you. You wanna read it with your people? Because they've already read it a lot of times, so then we would read it, and then we would like give it to fellowship, and then fellowship would read it over and over and over and then they'd send it along to St. Luke's and then St. Luke's would take it to the Methodist church and you get the idea. Eventually it would get to like Pasadena or maybe it would go east to San Bernardino which is really far um, and eventually it would circulate through all of the churches in the whole area and people would know what this letter was about and they would think about the stuff in the letter and talk about the stuff in the letter um, because it's like from a spiritual leader. So it would be read and reread and memorized and passed on. Somebody would make a copy of it if they could write and that would be really special. So today, as you hear the words from our ancestors who were led by God's hand and by God's breath and as you hear the words from this part of the letter that they chose to keep for generations to follow, may your hearts and your minds be open to hearing from God, our Father, who has adopted us in the blood of his Son, Jesus Christ, and has gifted us, yes, even us, this Gentile church, with the riches of the glory that come from the Spirit, so that we have hope, even today, in the midst of all of the trials of life, that we know and we will believe that the way things are is not the way things have to be. Try to remember as much of the rest of the letter as you can. And if you haven't read it yet, read it this week and have fun. So again, um, this is a little bit long. It's like, it's like you, somebody read the letter, you know, you've like sat through it. You're like, okay, what's next? Oh, it's done. And then you're like, wait, wait, wait. Go back to that one part. I, I really need to hear that one part again. That's what just happened. Therefore, as you have gotten rid of lying, each of you must tell the truth to your neighbor because we are parts of each other in the same body. Be angry without sinning. Don't let the sun set on your anger. Don't provide an opportunity for the devil. Thieves should no longer steal. <laughs> Instead, they should go to work and use their hands to do good so that they have something to share with whoever is in need. Don't let any foul words come out of your mouth. Only say what's helpful and needed for the building up of the community so that it benefits those who hear what you say. Don't make the Holy Spirit of God unhappy. You were sealed for her on the day of redemption. Put aside all bitterness losing your temper, <laughs> anger, shouting, and slander, along with all other evil. Be kind and compassionate, forgiving each other in the same way that God forgave you in Christ. Therefore, imitate God like dearly loved children, living your whole life with love, 
following the example of Christ, who gave, who loved us and gave himself for us. He was a sacrificial offering that smelled sweet to God. Sexual immorality and any kind of impurity or greed shouldn't even be mentioned among you. These aren't right for holy people. Obscene language, silly talk, vulgar jokes, those aren't really acceptable for believers either. Instead, there should be thanksgiving. Be thankful. Because you know for sure that people who are sexually immoral, impure, greedy, all kinds of stuff like that, which happens when things become gods instead of God, those people, they won't inherit the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, who's our Messiah. Nobody should deceive you with stupid ideas. God's anger comes down on those who are disobedient because of this kind of thing. God doesn't want you to be fooled. So you shouldn't have anything to do with them. You were once in darkness, but now you are in light, in the light of the Lord. So live your life as children of light. Light produces fruit that consists of every sort of goodness, justice, and kindness, and truth. Therefore, test everything to see what is pleasing to God. And don't participate in the unfruitful actions of darkness. It's not hard. Instead, you should reveal the truth about them. It's embarrassing to even talk about what certain people do in secret, but everything that is exposed to the light is light. Therefore, it says, wake up, O sleeper, get up from the dead, like that's so easy, and Christ will shine on you. So be careful to live your life wisely and not foolishly. Take advantage of every opportunity because these times are evil. Because of this, don't be ignorant, but understand God's will. Don't get drunk on wine, which produces depravity. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. What does that look like? Speak to each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs like this little light of mine. Sing and make music to the Lord in your hearts. Always give thanks to God, the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and submit to each other out of respect for Christ. That's it. As others have noted, there's a lot. You might have not thought I was reading scripture, but it's very preachy, isn't it? Um, there's a lot in this letter to the ancient world and to the church. There's a lot in this letter to us. Um, so what did you notice? What stood out to you? Be thankful.
Yeah, I needed that one this week, yeah. Stupid ideas, don't be fooled by stupid ideas. And other versions with that part say like, don't, don't let um, religious uh, salespeople fool you. You know, I don't know any of those people. No idea what that's about. Anything else? Um, this section of the second half of the letter to the Ephesians revolves around what, I, so sometimes I just, I wrote my friend, and I was like, is that really my friend? I never met this person. But sometimes if you read people a lot, you kind of feel like you're their friend. So <laughs> I wrote, this is what my friend Carl Bart says, uh, as the <laughs> positive and negative consequences of the great shadow that God casts upon our lives. What? <laughs> For many, it might feel like a lot of rules about what to do and what not to do. And sometimes those rules become the focus of our whole lives. Amen? We try really hard to make sure that we're following the rules, and that becomes more important than the reasons that those rules exist. It's, this, it's, it's more important than the reason why those rules were ever brought up. So why does Paul mention these problems that we turn into rules? What is this passage about, you're wondering, because it's too big, Aaron would say. <laughs> um, this passage is about those who are in darkness and those who are in light. But again, whether you are in darkness is not the point. The point is to get to the light or to get you or to get the light into you, which is a gift. It doesn't just happen. You can't just make it happen by following the rules and checking things off a list, which we know up here, but it's so hard to know in our bodies here. So, who is in darkness? All of us, he says, were once in darkness. I mean, you are in church. You came here today for a reason, right? Why? I always ask that question and people are like, duh. That's what I do anyway <laughs> when I ask the question, why am I in church? Because I was in darkness, but now I'm in light. And I gotta figure out what the heck that means because that is freaking confusing, <laughs> right? And sometimes we feel like we're in darkness and we don't know what to do. So that's what I'm gonna talk about. So um, this is a reminder about who we once were. And it's an invitation to be or become or continue becoming children of light. Look to your neighbor and say, or the person behind you, because you know your neighbor. So turn to the person behind you or in front of you and say, you are a child of light. Or say it to your children, Brad. <laughs> okay, that's enough. <laughs> um, it's, it reminds me of Advent when we light all of these candles on our table, or Christmas Eve especially. It's like one of my favorite times when 
excuse me, when we all hold our little candles and try not to burn anything, and we each get to shine and share light. We get to share light and then shine light. And then, you know, it, it goes out at some point. But we remember what it felt like to give someone else light and to have light be given to us. So light is so important in this passage. The light of God is gift. The light that shines on us through the gift of the Holy Spirit not only causes us to be in light, Paul says we become light. We are the ones, too, who shine light on others. But what does that look like? And what happens when the shadows of darkness hide our light or try to hide light? I think in this passage, Paul recognizes that the church is full of people, right? Not like magical creatures that are, um, you know, uh, what's the word? Like shut off from pain and darkness and all those things. It's like, yeah, you're all people, people who have confessed to Paul. This list doesn't come from nowhere. He, he knows what our sins are. He knows the sins of the church. And he's like, well, here it is. Try not to do that. That's not helpful. Do better stuff. That's going to be good. It's not shaming. It's an invitation to, to be the people who God has made us to be. So people he knows are always drawn to the darkness. The darkness can do a lot of things. It can provide rest. Who sleeps during the day? I do not nap well. <laughs> it can provide safety and security from harm. It can prevent us from being seen, known, and exposed. And there are many reasons that we find to linger in the darkness. I can make long lists, just for myself. So why, if darkness provides those wonderful things, would I enter into the light? Great question, huh? Why would I risk being exposed? What will happen to me if I'm exposed? I know for me, when I fear exposure, I fear the judgment of others, because I'm judgmental. <laughs> I, I assume people are going to do what I do, what I've learned to do, what I don't want to do. I don't usually worry too much about the judgment of God. I am like super convinced that God is kind and gracious and merciful and loving, so loving. I am like fully convinced of those things. So if you are not, let's chat. I can tell you all about it. But uh, truly, I forgive that God has forgiven the worst of sins. And it's a mystery to me, and I don't understand it. But like, I believe that to the core of my being. But I know that I have not forgiven all those sins. And I know that I have a really hard time because I can't understand how God does it. And I know that I can't do it and that I haven't done it. Um, so it's hard for me not to not, to not forgive those sins when, they're, when they come to me. So um, Paul's final encouragement is to not drink too much wine, which is also hard to do sometimes. And I was trying to figure out, like, why does he end with this? What, what is this about? And because he's talking about being filled with the Spirit, of course I thought about Acts when all these Jewish fools were like hanging out one morning at Pentecost and they run down <laughs> and they're like running around like drunk people and people are like, what is wrong with these people? These people are freaking weird. 
But then they heard what they were saying, and light came because they could understand what they were saying. And the story that they told about this Jesus the Messiah person was comprehensible to everyone there who were Jewish. But these Gentiles heard the story about that, and they heard they were like drunk people, and the Gentiles were like, oh, we know how to do that. We could do that. I know how to do that. And Paul's like, well, that's not what we meant. Um, but so sometimes I was also thinking about how when people drink too much, sometimes they have to throw up to get the bad stuff out. Like, you can get crazy, you could get fun, but sometimes you put so much into your body, and maybe we've done this, maybe we've seen this, like TV likes to portray it quite often, but it has to come out. It can't stay in. So one way or another, it will come out um, at some point. Maybe it'll take a while. So what about all that other stuff? Uh, that's not alcohol. How do we get all that other bad stuff out? I was wondering. Because, I mean, it's hard to hide when you have too much wine. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's the thing that keeps you in secret. But um, how do we get out of darkness? And I think Paul's answer is that we can't do it alone. We can't do it at a desk, reading a book. I think it's an invitation to confess. And we don't like to talk about confession because we could all come up with long lists about why we don't confess. We don't know how to confess. We have to learn how to confess. But you could talk to someone, maybe a pastor, or if that's too scary, a family member, or a mentor, or a friend, or someone who's not going to judge you. Someone who you trust, who will be gentle with you, but will work really hard with you to help you not make the same mistakes again. I think Paul is inviting the church to become a community of confession. That's why it became such an important thing in the Catholic Church. It's a sacrament to confess. But we don't know much about that. That's harder to wrap my mind around. Um, because in a community of confession, a community of confession is one that doesn't let its members live in the dark. Not forever. So I think I have, even in this week, made an incredibly stupid mistake. I've had to confess what I thought I could do alone in darkness was really, really dumb. Some of you know about this. If you're like, Missy, what are you talking about? Come talk to me. I'll tell you all about it. But we don't have time right now. Um, I promise. But I, I, I realized I'm an idiot, and I need to confess because I need help. Um, I can't do this alone now. I've gotten myself in a little bit of a woo lurch. and. And I need other people. It was a great reminder <laughs> that I need people. And um, so I told some friends that I've got to suffer the consequences of my mistake and I needed help. But where did I learn this? And when I think of communities of confession, if I'm honest, the church isn't the first place that I think of. My family's not the first place that I think of either, for the record. Um, sometimes church is the place that I go to let people know that I already have it all figured out. I wear my nice clothes, I take a shower before I come sometimes, <laughs> put makeup on. Um, the first place that I thought of, though, as a community of confession is AA. Has anybody ever gone to an AA meeting? 
They are magical. <laughs> They're really wonderful. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous recognizes the deep need for confession, and it provides a safe and non-judgmental space for people to sit in the light. And people who are in darkness, sometimes they go to AA, and sometimes it takes a long time for them to find the light. But it's a space where they are invited to be in light. And it's a space where people tell really bad stories sometimes. <laughs> and it's also a space where people tell really good stories sometimes. But they provide, gosh, for at least an hour, a space where one is reminded that they are not alone. I've never been to an AA with fewer than five people. There's always people there who say, I've done shit too. I have messed up. And there's always at least one person who's there who says, and today I'm okay. And it doesn't have to be this way. So I mean, AA is a space that reminds people that even though they've lingered in that darkness or perhaps hidden their disease for maybe a very long time from, um, from so many others in the world, they've gotten away with this problem, but it has finally become unmanageable and they recognize that they are not in control of their lives. I've had many friends and family members who have been a part of AA and whose lives have been changed seriously by their time in that community. Um, through doing the steps, which are all about confessing to God, confessing to ourselves, and confessing to others. And making amends. It's not just confession. It's about being reconnected to your community and, and entered in into a new way. Um, and it came from the church. I mean, like, AA got all of its good stuff from the Bible. <laughs> Big surprise. But it's a good book. We are in need of something greater than ourselves. So one of the things I love about the AA community that I've heard more than once is, is I've heard people say, let us love you until you can love yourself the way that we do. And I think the church does that too. But we don't have, we don't necessarily, I haven't heard it that way in the church necessarily because I, I, I have a hard time getting myself out of the lists, the do good lists and the do bad lists. They're lists. And, but what if our list was let us love you until you can learn to love yourself the way that we do and that God does? Paul says, nobody should deceive you with stupid ideas. God's anger comes down on those who are disobedient because of this kind of thing. And there are communities in the world whose sole purpose is to draw people in. We might call them cults, just other social organizations like Facebook, who make us feel really good about ourselves. And we can think plenty of places we can think of plenty of places like this in the world. Some are real, some are social media places. Like, I was reading about this, and I thought about Instagram. And it was like, this is a place where I waste my time. It's, a, it's a, not a real place, but I waste my time. And so much of Ephesians is about not wasting your time. Because these times are evil. 
but God is inviting us to be and become and share light in the world. And if you can do that with Instagram, that's fine. I just, it's not for me. <laughs> um, there are communities where the love of God is not the goal. And the love and the light of God is different from just happiness and fun and pretty things that make us feel happy <laughs> or feel like we've achieved something. The light of God, the light of God's love is about trust and freedom and vulnerability and change. Things just can't stay the same when they encounter God's light. Amen? I cried about that. The practices that Paul notes, all of them, the bad ones, you know, the bad list that you keep in your mind that you hide that you don't tell people about, but you know it's there. Um, all those practices either draw us away from others or they make us feel like we have to hide in our communities. They make us feel hidden, perhaps. Or perhaps we've become, we've been victims of things on that list and we feel hidden in our communities because we have been affected by those. So all of these things separate us from one another. And um, perhaps we feel like we can't share those things, even in the midst of this family, this family that God has mysteriously brought together in love and adoption, in the death and the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, so that we all become children of God. These things that he lists, these sins, could change the way that we talk about our lives. Well, he'll say, I'm okay, or I'm fine. That was for Craig. Um, <laughs> sometimes we might even get really good at pretending to be in the light, or thinking we're in the light, but in fact, we're in darkness. In the same way that the whole body of the church gathered to hear the words of this letter thousands of years ago, not as just isolated spiritual individuals who are seeking wholeness all on their own, but as a community who believed that God was doing something in the world, we are called, the rest of us, broken and in need of mercy, healing, and love. We are called to confess to one another as we follow Jesus to the cross which is hard. It's not something you're not like, you don't wake up every morning and be like, cross, here I come. <laughs> Sounds like the best thing I've ever done. I mean, I don't do that. Does anybody do that? <sighs> We're in this together. This is a reminder that going to this place where Jesus went is so hard and we cannot do it alone. Jesus couldn't even do it alone. I wish we had the Stations of the Cross up because Jesus fell and he needed help getting up. It sucks, but it's beautiful, because at the end of it all is light, and you're like, well, why is this light so great, Misty? <laughs> because we are gathered by God's Spirit, the Spirit who, in complete chaos, darkness, emptiness where there was nothing, spoke life into nothingness and chose us. Whoever we are, wherever we're from, created us and said, you, you are mine, and I am yours, and invites us all to look at each other and say, you are mine, and I am yours, and 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 you 
are mine, and I am yours, and you are mine, and I am yours. And it's not because of me, it's not because of you. It's because of this stupid thing that God did by sending God's son, who mysteriously was God, that I, you know, it's all confusing, sending God's son to like tell other people, you are mine and I am yours, and then to die for those people and come back and come to life and share with all those people, I have been to the darkest place there is, but I brought light there. So wherever your darkest place is, I'll bring light there too. And it's like time for communion, so um, I'm just going to read this other quote, I guess. Um, Today, as we try to follow Jesus to his cross, we are gathered by God's Spirit. The Spirit who is our healing balm and who, under the influence of the Spirit, opens us to correction and love. In light, we can see the direction that God is leading us. In light, we can find our way. In light, we can find our path. Uh, Karl Barth, my friend, says, the spirit of freedom gives us freedom to change. Again, the spirit of freedom, God's spirit of freedom, gives us freedom to change. And he goes on, but this question, this is the question for Christians. Do we have ears to hear that God's light is your light and that you belong to me and I belong to you because in God we have become something new and we have become something that may not be describable, that may be very confusing, especially to our families (laughs) and to people who have expectations on us, the world, the systems, our jobs. But God says, I am yours and you are mine. And so Jesus, who is called the light of the world, right kids? Did you light your candle today? Someone said no. (laughs) Did somebody light the Christ candle in godly play? Mm -hmm. I I want somebody from godly play, if you're feeling brave, to, like, to, to tell me, what do, you, what do you say when the candle gets lit in church? Raise your hand. Anybody know? Does no one know? So, okay, friends. Friends who've been in godly play. Adults, too. When somebody lights the candle, they say, what do you say? The whole thing. Ari, are you ready? <laughs> okay, I, I, I'll do it. Yeah, who? Missy? Once?
So friends, if you didn't hear that, go ahead and have a seat. Jesus, someone, in Godly Play we say there was once someone who did such amazing things and said such wonderful things that people had to follow him because they were confused and they were like, this guy's got something. So they followed him, but as they were following him, they realized, we don't know who this is. And they said, who are you? And he said, I am the light of the world. And so Jesus, the one who is the light of the world, knew about light and he shared it with everyone that he met. He probably walked around singing this little light of mine all day long and he loved it and he meant it. He was courteously reverent to all those he met on the streets, in the temple, in the ditches, on land, on water, doing all the stuff he did, fishing, making breakfast. Even when he was throwing those tables over in the temple, he was being courteously reverent to those who he was encountering. He even submitted to his betrayer, receiving a kiss, a painful kiss, a kiss of love, a kiss of betrayal, a kiss that was probably the hardest kiss to give. In darkness, things are hard, but sometimes it feels like it's harder to get out of the darkness than to just do what you know how to do when you're there. But Jesus received that kiss from the one who was in darkness and began his journey to the cross, the one that he needed help on, <laughs> but the place that he invites us to go together. And so we follow Jesus to the cross because it is only in experiencing and telling the truth about darkness that we can truly appreciate God's light. So before that kiss with the disciples, Jesus was at supper and he took the cup and he blessed it and he prayed that God would be with them. And he said, this is my blood shed for you, the blood of the new covenant, that new covenant that invites everybody, even the people who we maybe think shouldn't be invited. <laughs> and he took the bread, ooh, and it is warm bread, and he took the bread and he broke it. He broke the bread into pieces, saying to his friends and his disciples, this is my body broken for you. Whenever you do this, do this to remember me. Holy Spirit, fill this place with your light. Fill our bodies, our hearts, our bellies, our ears, our eyes, and our mouths with your light so that we might shine on others. Fill us with the serenity to accept the things that we cannot change. Fill us with the courage to change the things that we can and the wisdom to know the difference. 